everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk About It. You're here with Lani and Wani. We are here at the Bella Vista Hotel in their Hills podcast studio. I'm going to pass over to Rawani who will introduce today's topic. Hi everybody. On today's episode we're going to be talking about sexual abuse. So bef- yeah. yeah. So before we continue, we just want to uh, put a trigger warning out there that we're actually unsure of where this conversation is going to go. We've come in hoping to have an open conversation about our own ideas, understandings, and I guess experiences with sexual abuse, and that could be triggering to some people. So we just encourage everyone to take care of themselves, whatever that may look like, if that means not tuning in or asking someone else to listen for you and let you know if they think you could handle it. We'll also be posting some links in our description and on our Instagram just for anyone that needs to uh, seek any support or guidance if anything does trigger you. And, yeah, pretty much that's it, I guess. Just tread carefully. Take care of yourself. Yeah. If you feel like you've dealt with something or you are a victim or you know somebody that is a victim and you think that you know, this might be a little bit triggering, then please stop listening right now. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> Get someone much. else to listen to it because so much intersectionality, we don't know where this is going to go. We don't know what's going to come up. We don't know what experiences we're going to talk about. So, yeah. And we also don't want to be irresponsible by putting information out there without warning and understanding that this may hit people differently. So just be aware of that. Yeah. So where are we going to start? Well, I guess with a bit of context. So this was the episode idea that I was really passionate about for yeah. a few reasons. So today's kind of going to be... It's sort of going to be a one-sided conversation because this isn't to say that I don't know what sexual abuse is. I definitely do. But it wouldn't be something that I'm passionate about. Now, before anyone comes for me, not to say that if I knew somebody that was dealing with sexual abuse that I wouldn't do anything. It's just... You know, I wasn't really exposed to it and I wouldn't say that um, I know too much about handling it. So that's why I feel like it's really good that Lani is passionate about it. She's willing to talk about this. So I'm just not, I'm not going to be judgmental. I don't, I don't like to judge people. But yeah, so yeah. It's sort of where I'm coming from. So this is, this is definitely going to be like more of Lani. I'm just going to be here to sort of feed off what she says and so i'm not talking to myself so if there's anyone else out there that doesn't really know much about sexual abuse or you're one of those people that just share shit on social media and you don't really know why yeah feel you on that one um so i guess for context the oh the flashy sun yep the reason that um we're having this discussion today is because sexual abuse needs to be talked about more in every single and normalized. Yeah, and normalized too. It just needs to be a conversation that's had. But one particular incident, I guess, that led to, you know, me suggesting this be pushed forward because we had saved this for a later date. I saw that everyone was posting about a certain person on Instagram. This is mainly the Pacific community, so I guess if you follow them on the gram, you might have seen that, um, you know, it come to a lot of people's attention that there was a guy who had been inappropriately messaging uh, underage girls and asking them for sexual favours from what I saw. And there was also a lot of stuff going around about the child sex trafficking and there's a lot of information, misinformation. It's a mixture of the two. Uh, but I also feel like my motto has always been 
a motto because I haven't actually got the wording right. But you got to kind of start at home, and that's where everything starts. So the you know ground up approach is really important when it comes to sexual abuse, and that's the angle that I'm coming from today. So it sounds weird. It sounds weird to be like, oh, I'm like so passionate about sexual abuse and rape and all stuff like that. But I don't know what it is. It's just always been something that's I don't. Drawn. I think it's just the fact that you care. Yeah. Right? I re- and it's, it's drawn. you're coming from the perspective as a mother as that well. That too. You know, so you're looking out, you know, you have, we're, you're talking about sex trafficking and stuff that's going yeah. on and floating around in the media. You have children that are at that age that yeah. would have been taken and they could be trafficked at that age. So yeah. I feel like you're coming from a place, it's just emotion. Yeah, definitely. But so my first ever, 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 from what I remember, my first experience with understanding what rape was and sexual abuse was I was in year six and I read a book and it was called Sold. And it was about a girl, she was in some part of India and her parents had sold her to a brothel because they couldn't afford um, the basic necessities. And yet someone made an exchange, you know, we'll give you money for your daughter, take her to a brothel. So she was about 10. And I remember when I was reading it, she actually hadn't even had her first period by the time she lost her virginity. She was raped. And, yeah, so it was really intense. And I remember um, my teacher saw me reading it and she was like, that looks really interesting. Like, can I ever read after? And I was so scared because I was like, am I going to get in trouble for reading this? Because there was just so much shame attached to the topic itself. Yeah. So I was like, no, oh, it's not my book. I have to return it tomorrow. And I got so scared. And, like, that was my first, first, um, I guess – interaction with sexual violence and trafficking and um yeah and stuff like that and ever since then like it's just really drawn me in to the point that now I volunteer so I'm a volunteer with Olofa Connections and I'm part of a few teams but the team that um, I'm quite passionate about is the me and she team so what we do is we run a, a sexual abuse awareness event campaign where um, we have a public forum where we have speakers who are survivors of sexual abuse and they come up and they speak about their experiences and from what we're aware of this is the only instance where um, there are it's an event run by pacific people for pacific people and the context is really important because a lot of the instances of sexual abuse within the pacific regions the culture and the context, I guess, I keep saying context, but the context of it is really important for why it happened. Um, yeah, so I guess that's kind of, that's a bit, that's a bit of a rant. But what mm. I wanted to do with Ruani was I wanted to, so I have some misconceptions of sexual abuse and I just wanted to like, I guess, kind of throw them off you and just have a little chat about them and see where that goes. Yeah. So. Should we start off with a definition? Of sexual abuse. Now, let me tell you, because we did some research, all right? When I was researching, I literally, like, Googled what is the definition of sexual abuse, okay? Let me tell you what's problematic about Google. They did not even have a definition for sexual abuse. And as somebody, say, for instance, I was, like, an imbecile and I didn't know what the hell sexual abuse was and I wanted to know, the first place I'm going to look is Google. What the hell is this concept, right? So I had to, all they have is like a whole bunch of links and whatever that you can go through and then you can sort of like formulate your own definition. But from what I gathered from all of those websites, it's like, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's basically any forcible sexual act being placed onto another without consent. So that's probably like a very bland 
I don't know. You, you can do it's what broad, you want. It's broad, but, but it, that's what I found when I was like researching about it. So if you can't even define what the actual concept of sexual abuse is, as somebody, say, an innocent person, like uh, especially teenagers that are coming into this and they might be exposed to it at a young age, if they don't even know what it is, how can you talk about something with people or... I don't know. Mm. Like for me, in like for instance, me growing up, I was never taught. I was never taught about sexual abuse. So this is something that I had to like come into my own, and I had to learn by myself. Yeah. Yeah. So if like was that a good definition? It's kind of like it's it's very broad, and it leaves a lot yeah. of it's very open to interpretation. Exactly. But um, so I did some googles too, and the only other definition I could find was that it extended on it and pretty much just included rape, indecent assault, child sexual abuse and assault, incest, or sexual molestation, which still like that was there's categories obviously, and it's just it's really hard if you're going to properly discuss something when you can't even find a definition for it. Like there's many gaps in the world and in the just the internet like how are we meant to move move on and learn new things if we can't even find information on it yeah and that's part of the whole like you know the issue with sexual abuse is lack of information and lack of understanding lack of education for people who are wanting to learn more where are they meant to go so on um also any uh websites or statistics that we reference we will attach links to because so frustrating when people share information and they don't provide you context or yeah. any sources. And something that we both agreed on when we started the podcast was we're not just going to be spitting out information and not trying to back yeah. ourselves up. The level of research that we do before every episode, we're making sure we've got our references. So you can also yeah. see where with we're every, Yeah, like with every opinion that you have and that you share on social media, especially because that's what most people, that's the platform that most people are using. Mm. If you have an opinion, at least if you're asked about it, you need to have context behind yeah. why you have that opinion as well as referencing or like something to go behind your opinion. So yeah. we don't want to go into this just bloating out a whole bunch of, I don't know, things that are like our own sort of experiences. No, what the hell am I trying to say? Yeah, but as well as like we'll send you out the information and you can – take from it what you may because we might have taken it a different way based on our yeah. experiences because our experiences influence our perspective yeah but like honestly the one thing that i hate is when somebody has an opinion they have no context as to why they have that opinion and then they have no solution so you're just yeah. throwing yeah. out information for what exactly you're just gonna leave like for else. what who asked <laughs> and where's your responsibility like we're taking a lot of responsibility on by starting this conversation because this could go so many different ways and we're aware of that. But at the end of the day, we just know it needs to be had. The conversation needs to be had. So to, I guess, carry on with our conversation, what was your first... When I say experience, I don't mean like I'm asking if you were sexually abused, but your yeah. first experience of hearing or becoming aware or realising that sexual abuse exists in, um, any, in any of those levels we discuss. Gosh, I know it's oh my god! I don't even know how to say if I want to say this, but family, yeah, as well. Not like it's it's not just one person that's been a victim of it. It's multiple. Mm. So if my family are listening to this, yeah, just I'm gonna try to tread lightly, but 
that was probably my introduction, like just yeah. knowing victims, like bl- to have a blood relation with a victim yeah. is, was my introduction. And at a young age as well, mm. like to, to sort of find out about it, but not know, because everybody was a little bit weird when I was yeah. younger, they, they don't really want you to know, but that was probably it. But I was, you know, obviously smart enough to sort of comprehend what was happening. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, like, if I were to think about media, it would be in movies. Yeah. So when, you know, I was never, my mum never really, like, steered clear away from movies if it was R18 or, like, MA or yeah. something like that. Like, we would still watch it. And then I would just sort of ask questions, like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. Like, why is this, why is he doing that to her or why is she doing that to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So that's where I would sort of learn. Yeah. But, yeah. So... Whenever I think about sexual abuse and sexual assault, something that always pops to mind is school. So I remember in school when we used to do health lessons, like PDHPE, and we had like, so we had the lessons where you put the banana on the, the banana, the condom on the banana, which I missed. I was really upset for that. You have drug education, alcohol, and then the sexual education, it was sexual education. It was kind of like, don't have sex. Or if you do, make sure it's with someone you love and trust, but don't have sex. And I just found there was a lot of gaps in it. And I also remember the alcohol, um, the talks we used to get about alcohol and drugs was pretty much, if you take one drug, you will die. If you drink, you will get raped. And the, the culture, I guess, around the teachings that we had was pretty much, don't do this, don't do that, and you won't get raped. But there was never anything about, how about don't rape? Why is yeah. this being pushed onto me? And like, I literally remember sitting there and pretty much being force fed the idea that if you drink, you're going to pass out and you know what's going to happen to you. And I just started realizing like, when did that become my problem? Like, right. not that I'm trying to get, you know, fucked up and pass out, but if I do, I shouldn't have to be scared that someone's going to invade my space because what have I done to deserve that? That's assuming that we do things to deserve things. So that became really problematic for me and it kind of messed with my brain because I was just like, if I do this, is going to happen. And that whole idea of consent, it then got me thinking about like, at what point does this become my fault or someone else's fault? And there were times where I would think like, oh my God, look how she's dressed. And then, you know, when people have come up forward with um, accusations in high school, I remember there was a few accusations going around about certain girls who had certain encounters with boys and the talk around the town, aka yeah. the school playground was that, are you sure... Like, you know, I I don't reckon he had trouble getting a girl. Yeah. I don't reckon that she, like, she's the one, she's a liar. And all of that. And it was just, it was really toxic. And even so, like, I had, you know, experiences with family where I was told, like, don't wear this, don't wear that. And I was like, for what? What, like, I used to, I spent a lot of my time growing up living with my cousin. And he would have friends over. And I'd get told by family members to go get changed. And I was like, for what I'm home, yeah. like we're both in the same house. If he's allowed to have no shirt on when my friends are over, why can't I be in my footy shorts? I'm going to bed. Like, how does my bed attire offend someone? And I, like, you know, I'd always question in the back of my mind, and I was like, I'm under my parents' roof. I can't really be like, no, I'm aware what I want. Yeah. But why am I being forced to sacrifice my comfort for what? That was always my question. Like, for what? What's the end result? What's yeah. going to happen? Where These are things going? that I never really questioned as well because. I don't know, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, I'm going to mention it again. You know, I was raised by a single mother and yeah. she was very strict. Yeah. To the point, like, she would tell me, 
in some instances she would be like you know you don't want to wear this she'll be like you're not ugly Rowani you don't ever know what's going to happen and I'm like I never understood it but she was basically protecting me from what she knew people were capable of yeah and you know some things in her upbringing that she did doesn't want to talk about she probably was protecting me from but I never understood why she would mention those things she would tell me to go get changed if you know certain people were coming around and I never understood that yeah so that's really interesting that you mention all of that stuff yeah but she never really told me that you know why and I I never questioned it because you don't question your elders yeah so yeah have you seen um have you seen the movie Once Were Warriors yeah so okay that was a movie that I watched when I was younger as well yes that was a really triggering one for me because I watched it and I would have been the same age as she was. Yeah. If you haven't watched that movie, highly recommend. watch it. It is triggering, but yes. watch it. Highly recommend. Yeah, so I would have been around the same age that that girl was yeah. when I watched that movie. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Wow, yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't allowed to watch that movie. Um, and I remember, I, yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch it. My parents didn't let me watch it. And then one night, you know, when you go to your friend's house and you rebel, I was you like, watched it. I watched it. So I was like, how old was I? I think I was about, I was in high school. So I'm going to say maybe year seven or year eight, which I think was an okay age to watch it. And, um, yeah, man, that fucked me up. I was just like, oh my yeah, God. Like yeah, you, you didn't really expect it. Not to go where it went. I was just yeah. like, what do you mean? This and this and this is going to happen. Like she ticked off every single possible thing that you just don't want to happen to one yeah. person. And it happened to so many of them. So I watched it with my, and I watched it with my friend. And my friend who I watched it with, um, she's actually a survivor of sexual abuse. So when I was watching it with her, it hit me differently because she asked me to watch it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, Okay. Had like, she watched it before you yes, watched it? Yes, she watched okay. it years ago because she was Maybe it was to. like a way of her... It was a segue um, Sort of explaining what she had been through without having to, to say bring it. up old skeletons yeah. for herself. Because it can be triggering. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I, at the time, I was just like, fuck. Like, now what? Because I just... I couldn't... There was just so much like, going yeah, on. Yeah, like you... If you've never been exposed to it and then you, boom, it's in your face. And then you know somebody personally that has been a victim of it. It's like, and you don't know how to respond. Yeah. It it could go one or two ways. Like it could be triggering for the person that is a victim or, I don't know, you could be feeling shit that you don't know how to comfort the person. So that's sort of where I'm coming from as well. It's like, I know that I don't need to be qualified to comfort somebody, but I want to know how to help somebody in that situation. And that's sort of why... I'm not really when it comes to sexual abuse the topic I don't know how to comprehend how I feel or how to help somebody yeah so that's why I feel like this is really important for for those of us that don't know how to comfort the ones that have been victims yeah or what to do in the situation like that's why we're making this episode and hopefully just for it to resonate but see with the once for warriors the thing that stuck out the most you know how everyone has one thing that sticks out a lot for them in anything so the bit that really got me was you know how she wears like she's got like a big t-shirt on when she goes out yeah yeah. and i was and like then she has to go to her room i remember i was talking to a family member and i was like i watch once for warriors like wow and their response was yeah like that's why when there's, you know, men drinking, you have to stay inside. And I was like, but but if you know that they're like him, why, why would he be here? And, like, I was only young again, so I was not voicing my opinions, but it's right. just something that sat with me for a while because I was like, you what? 
you want me to stay inside if it's my own house or my own family's house and there's potentially someone dangerous you want me to go inside i'm the problem what i'm wearing is a problem her pajamas were the problem is that is that what we're saying about this that's why she like you know that's where the movie took the turn yeah and it really like that's it was these are all just the kind of things that just like like a tally in my head i was like add that to my list of why i care add that to my list and it all just it, it all collated and like it got to me yeah now at this age like still caring but also trying to be more active in my approach of caring because i've seen like within my own family the long-lasting effects of sexual abuse similar to once a worries with what happened to the girl it fucks up your life obviously yeah but there's different layers to it so that's what that's kind of the angle i wanted to discuss just from experiences that i have with people who have discussed with me so well, a misconception a lot of people have is that like it's not that common like, i i just feel like a lot of people think like no 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 like it's not happening to everyone yeah but and it's not happening to everyone but true. is it a lot more common than, than people think. think and a lot of more people are living with it and you don't even know and yeah. this is for men and women that's a really important one this isn't just a girl girl thing this is happening to women by men and women and yeah. to men by men and women a lot of male survivors who like i've interacted with or i've done my readings and i've found is that they don't talk about it because the idea is oh but like bro she was older than you and you like you yeah. banged her like you're the man Whereas like, no, 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 if you're if you're 14 and she's 20 something or 30 something, that's that's abuse. She abused her hold over you. Yeah. And a lot of men are fearful of that, especially if a man's been abused by a man, they might think, oh, am I gay now? Like, what does that mean for me? It's a whole ass identity crisis that they didn't sign up for. You know, someone else pushed their problems onto you and now you're dealing with the repercussions of it. So I looked up the statistics, this is based in Australia, and one in five women have experienced sexual violence since the age of 15. And the way that I like to look at that is, so well, I'll ask you, Rwani, think of the first five women that come to your head when you think of five women. Yeah. And if you were to like think of them, one of them has been experienced sexual violence in their life. Make that 10, that might even be your immediate cousins, there's two of them. So when you put it in that perspective, it's like, shit, this is happening like right now, right yeah. here. So the statistics also say that one in 20 men have experienced sexual violence since the age of 15. The issue I find with the statistics about men is that a lot of men haven't actually come forward. Reporting is not, yeah. it's, this is only based on reports. So imagine how much reports, like the gaps there is in the system from the reports that haven't been made. Uh, another misconception that I've... Well, who do you think in terms of if there was to be... Like, someone was to come to you and say that they were experiencing some sort of sexual violence, who would you firstly assume it would be? Someone they know or someone they don't know? Someone they know. Yeah. So, a lot of people... I, I know growing up it was always stranger danger. But now the realisation is kind of coming out that it's it's the ones you know. It's the ones you keep closer to you. Like, if you think about in a, in a community, like, we surround ourselves with communities that we know personally like yeah. if i were to think put into context for me like i don't surround myself with randoms mm. it's very rare that i meet new people and that just might be me because i don't like meeting new people but okay no i do but i don't <laughs> but it's hard to comprehend but yeah. basically like i'm not meeting new people every single day so yeah. it's gonna be not to say that this would happen to me but i just have a really close-knit yeah. um community that i'm surrounded by but yeah. it's gotta be somebody that you know mm. It's not every day unless you're at work or unless you're commuting from work to home. Yeah. But you're not really interacting with randoms. Yeah. So I just 
uh, it's got to be somebody that you know. Yeah. I mean, not always, but... Well, statistically, it is more likely to be someone that you Even know. Even if it's, it's in a workplace. Yeah. It's somebody that you know. Yeah. So, something that um, I was also reading about... I'm a reader, everyone. Yeah. This is, this is just some facts. Um, is that... Within, like, the volunteer work that I do, there are a lot of instances that I have been able to meet and interact with different people who have come to talk about their experiences being a survivor of um, sexual abuse in different ways. And something that they have talked about is, I guess, the the barriers to reporting or disclosing and why they haven't done that. Because a lot of, you know, you think it's really that easy. Like, it happened to you, go to the police and, and tell them. But it's not that easy. It goes, there's so many layers to it. Imagine if I was, for example, it was a family member. And that family member is firstly more likely to be believed than me, uh, holds a higher position in the community than me. And what if it just starts a lot of ugly shit? No one wants to start shit. And I know it sounds bad, but this is actually something I've heard so many times. I just don't want to start anything in the family. Yeah. And, you know, that sacrificing yourself, it's just not something that people are willing to do and I was doing some research because as we've previously mentioned Rwani and I both come from is it Pacific like isn't there different levels Pacific we'll do you mean like Polynesia Melanesia Micronesia yeah right. okay so yeah look that's the colonizers that really segregated us yeah. we're all in the Pacific Islands Paci- yeah so Pacific that's Islands. a conversation for another day exactly don't even get me started in terms of <laughs> referencing this article that I was reading there's something that I really found so it was uh it was a paper written by Professor VJ Nadu slaughtered that i'm really sorry if you ever hear this i'm sorry so the paper was titled pacific perspectives on the commercial sexual exploitation and sexual abuse of children and youth i read this it was a really long read but it was the first time firstly i'd ever seen pacific specific pacific research done by a pacific person actually in the pacific so he wasn't just research (laughs) so it wasn't like he was in australia researching the pacific islands that had moved here he was there was work done. And uh, it was really interesting because a lot of things, when they're done, when information is presented to you, as I'm sure you're going to give us saying, when information is presented to you, you need to assess who the person is, what is their intention when they're providing you with this information, and just decide if it's a credible source or not. So after this was actually done by the UN as well, so it comes under them. And what the reason I decided that this is valid information, besides it being from the UN, which is like one of the leading bodies of research is that the context is there this isn't just some white guy who's going to like take a peer four hours a day into the pacific life and make some you know this is what i have found no there was research done and then one of the the point that i wanted to like really really focus in on was i'm gonna it's a direct quote here everyone silence in most pacific island communities is associated with respect which is reproduced in formal settings such as village church chiefly and other traditional institutional meetings in such settings there is often no formal participation from women or children decisions which affect the women or children are often communicated to them after they have been made with no opportunity provided to question or refuse what is being imposed in cases of sexual violence and abuse speaking out is viewed negatively and speaking up is considered to bring shame on the victim the family concerned and the perpetrator bro bro so that, that was heavy 
But to break down that. That's basically. That's basically it, hey. Yeah. That was a really good way of saying what I was going to try and wrap up. Mm. But that's pretty much it. If you're taught from, so as a parent, I guess everything that like I do and any decision I make in my life, I reflect that back on my parenting skills. And I guess the ways that I'm trying to implement certain things for my children. And I know that within certain cultures worldwide, silence is, it's an attribute that you want. It's just pushed. It's pushed like an agenda. It's like silence is important. You need to be seen yeah. and not heard. That was me clapping because there was no video. So I'm just going to tell you that was me clapping. Yeah. So you need to be seen and not heard. You know, it's like if you take your kids somewhere, why don't they just sit down? I mean, he's a two-year-old. I'm not going to push him to be silent when it's not natural for him to be silent. Whereas I've seen children who from a young age are told to be quiet. And you do you. I'm not here to bash any parents, but there are just certain parts of We'll say culture because culture means a group of a, a group of people's values and the, the way they do their life. So certain cultures value silence, and the value they put on that is something that sticks with you. So if you're told from the age where your brain isn't even formed yet, your brain isn't fully formed to be quiet and sit down, that is going to carry on in your life, and you're going to just when things happen, think to yourself, "I just need to sit down and be quiet." Yeah. If it's embarrassing. If it's embarrassing when you're at church and your kid's running in between you because you brought shame on your family for making noise, that shame is going to carry if you speak out when something happens to you because you just brought attention and shame to the family by making noise. Yeah. It all comes, it all just, it all follows through. And there are so many little ways that the things that we do in everyday life, they can facilitate an environment that can allow sexual abuse to continue. Yeah. And so something, something else that I've, found is um just even having comprehensive sex education if you i don't know about everyone else here i got a sex talk i think i was like 11 and the funniest thing was all i asked my mom was where do tampons go yeah. she gives me this book reads it she goes yeah read this if you have any questions come back to me the book was pretty much like a diagram of what happens like how babies are made i finished the book and i was like because it goes like in the same place the, the penis goes <laughs> I didn't even know what we were getting at. And I go to her, I finished and I walked to the room and I was like, so where do tampons go? And she goes, oh, oh yeah, just like, oh my God, mom, I got with this guy and this is what we did. No, no, no. I'm not talking about telling your sex life to your parents, but being able to have a conversation of what is this? What is that? If you can't get the right information from home, your only reliable source of information is the outside world. Wouldn't you rather your children have the safety and security of knowing they can lean on you to give you those answers? Yeah. But the importance of the comprehensive sex education as well is to teach them what's right and wrong. The most important thing that I think people should be talking about when they're having a sex talk is not where goes what and not that babies can be made. It's that you have the right, it's your body, and you're allowed to choose what happens to it. Yeah. When you want to, how you want to, by who. See, I was never taught that. I wasn't ever given the sex talk and I wasn't ever told what was right and what was wrong. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, wow. Just, just even they just fuck me up big time. <laughs> yeah, and it's not saying that your parents are bad because a lot of our parents are just trying yeah, to do no. better than their parents. And I'm not trying to act like I'm the best parent ever. I just know that as a young parent, I have a lot of information, access to information and resources, and I'm not going to let those resources just sit there. I do my research, and based on the lived experiences I've had and the intergenerational trauma that has flowed through my family's veins, I'm not willing to. Keep that going. We're not going to continue that. So I'm trying to do the work, whatever that looks like, to stop that. 
because I've seen the effects of everything and how yeah. it all trickles down to you. And the reason that, I, like, you know, one of the driving reasons that my family is so passionate about sexual abuse is that, so my mum's sister, she passed away, it was 10 years ago this year, and she passed away from cancer. And obviously cancer is treatable and her cancer was treatable. And as well, to any of my family listening to this, I'm probably going to jumble up some of the details because it was 10 years ago. I was quite young and I was traumatised at the time. So I'm just telling based on my understanding of what happened. But from what I understand was that when she was diagnosed with cancer, they told her, you can actually live from this, you just need to take your medicine. You know, do your chemo, do your shit. She was schizophrenic severely like severe mental illness issues and she was like no you know she was one of those that like i'm not like i'm not answering the phone because they're listening to us on the phone everyone's like why is this relevant the relevance of this is that she had been sexually abused at a young age and if you do the timeline her life went downhill from then the decisions that she made and everything most of her life was she a, never got help so there was instances where there was she tried to have help but, but no the, one was really there to help her as well. No one understood as well. Okay. And I guess from my grandparents' point of view, there would have been the feeling of failure because it was with someone they trusted. Yeah. It wasn't a family member. It was a, it was someone that that house that they were at. And also things were different. Like, how long are we talking? We're talking like 40 years ago now. Yeah. So it's so different to then. And there's no blame, no, no fault, no responsibility being pushed onto anyone. But my mom has always kind of like pushed onto me the idea that people before they're sexually abused have a potential that when that sexual abuse happens, it kind of throws them off the path. Right. So, so in, um, in Spanish, you say tia, so that means auntie. So my tia had the potential to be, you know, whatever. We have a potential, whatever you want to be. But when that happened to her, it started, like, have you read 13 Reasons Why? In 13 Reasons Why, I talk about a snowball effect where it just builds and builds and builds. So her life, that one thing happened and then it just built and built and built. And her mental illness, it led to her death. Realistically, that's the only way you can put it because the cancer yeah, didn't kill her. Yeah, just one problem on top of the other. Exactly, on top of the other and not addressing them. Exactly, right. exactly. This is why it's so important to surround yourself or to whoever you surround yourself with on a day-to-day basis because they're the ones that are going to shape how you discuss yeah. topics how you act yeah. and how you just approach so many different situations. So exactly. I feel like in that instance, how she didn't have anyone that was on the same page as her to yeah. help her through that. It's really important to get everybody else up to speed that yeah. you spend majority of your time with so that they know when there's a, a really tough discussion like the one that we're having right now, mm. it's not going to be taboo. It's not going to be something that they're not comfortable with. Yeah. Like you need to have these tough discussions with people so that when – they, it comes to the time where they need help yeah. or they're screaming for help, you are able to help them. That's really sad. Yeah. That is honestly really sad. And what you know what to look out for. But that's also a privilege. That's a that's a, a privilege to be surrounded by those sort of people. Like yeah. not everybody has access. Not everybody has really understanding people yeah. that are able to speak life onto them. Yeah. So, man. And I hope that listening to this podcast allows people to be that people or that person for someone else. Like that's that's I guess that's what my whole aim of this conversation is. We'll do the hard work so you can just start a thought, start the snowball yeah. effect for your thought to be able to be there. Because I've had to be the one who has to be there for people. And it's not easy, it's not pretty, especially with someone who's never had that experience. There's no I can't relate. I, I can empathize, I can sympathize, but I I couldn't even begin. Like, I'm never going to turn around and say, like, I know how you feel. I don't. I don't know how you feel. I really don't. And, and um, 
you know, one of my my friend that I was talking about that I was at her house with once for warriors, she's she's the best. She's honestly like where she is now is not where I thought she would have been. Mm-hmm. And through her life, the things that have happened to her, instead of letting them like they were happening to her, but she said that, you know, she kind of made the decision that I can't let what happened to me affect where I'm going to be. And she did. She had a, you know, a five-year period. I'd say five years where she did. She let it get to her. It kicked her down. It left her on the side of the road, you know. And then I got to a point that she was like, why am I letting these bum-ass men run my life when mm. they're out there living their best life? And that's not to say it was easy. It took her years of therapy. Finding the right therapist, she couldn't even find a good one. Finding people she trusted and finding good ways, healthy ways to deal because before it was drugs and alcohol. And it was easier because it numbed the pain and stuff like that. But I remember when I spoke to her once, the thing that stuck with me the most was she was close to my son's age when she was first sexually abused. And he's only just turning three. And um, I, I asked her for some of... I didn't, It sounds terrible that I asked her, but, you know, we're pretty open and we also have open conversations and... She was like, ask me whatever you want. And I asked, you know, what's your what's your memory associated with that? And she said, I just remember looking at the ceiling. And, like, you take it and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, looking at the ceiling, blah, blah, blah. But then when you actually think about what that meant and what being a three-year-old in the position of looking at the ceiling is while this is happening to you, it fucked me up, honestly. Like, every time, yeah. I think I've only just stopped crying when I talk about it with her. And then we look at each other and I'm like, why are you crying? And she's like, why are you crying? And she's like, why are you crying? Like, this is my story. And I'm like, I'm crying for you because someone needs to because no one, no one was caring enough for her to cry with her. And I was yeah. just like, someone needs to. You need to know that this wasn't... Because she says, yeah, but I'm strong. And I said, I know you're strong, but you don't need to Yeah, but to she be. shouldn't have to have exactly. gone through that in order to be to strong. To be strong. You shouldn't have to achieve yeah. or, you know, have all these things happen to you to be a strong person. I know she would be strong without it because that's just who she is. But I just wish that it didn't have to happen to her. So she's a lot of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this because um, we've had, like, I'd say almost a 15-year friendship. Mm. And... I'd say about seven of those years, I didn't actually know what happened to her. Right. And then looking back, you feel like a piece of shit because it's like, shit, that makes sense. So that's what happened. This is when that and and doing that math. So a lot of the times, you know, I I go to, I turn to her for for guidance because I'm just like, well, what can I do to support someone? What did you need? What support were you lacking? And she said that the most important thing and, you know, the thing that she keeps reiterating to me is I just wanted to be heard. And I just wanted to be believed because... So she just wanted support, which is just the basic. bare minimum support she was happy with the that bare she minimum. didn't have. She was like, I'll do the rest of the work. I just want someone with me. And that looks like different things to different people. It doesn't have to be your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It doesn't have to be yeah. your parents. Sometimes your parents don't have the capacity to deal with what you're dealing with, which I think, you know, if you had the kids, you've got to deal with whatever life throws at you. But I understand that having kids and being able to deal with everything that comes at you it's a different thing and if you don't have the capacity someone needs to because this thing already happened to this person what can we do now you know we can't ask them to get over it we can't just you know ask them to forget about it we need to figure out what to go from there well based on my discussions with my friend there's a few things that we talked about and one of them is grooming so do you know what grooming is Rowani what's your idea when you hear it if I were to think about, I don't know why I have like a 
a dominant figure with somebody that's really fragile. But like, so say you have like a really domineering um, figure that you look up to in your life, they would probably shape your thoughts and stuff or like sort of plant seeds in your head as to that sort of helps them achieve any sort of sexual abuse. So, like, it's sort of okay in your mind because they planted that in your head. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so, like, basically planting seeds in your head. So, say, for instance, I put somebody on a pedestal. Yeah. Okay? I'm just going to use myself as an, an example. Yeah. I have a real like, – I, I look up to this person, blah, 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 blah. So, obviously, I already have that respect for the person. Yeah. And I'm going to confine in them. But if they're just planting seeds in my head that – it's, or that I don't even know that they're planting seeds in my head for for that yeah. matter. That like it's okay to touch me. Yeah. It's okay to do inappropriate things, but maybe they don't say it like that. Yeah. So that when it comes to the time that they actually do something, I'm like, oh well, they've pretty much warned me. So now this is it. Yeah. Is that what grooming means? So pretty much, yep. Yeah. So I don't know if there's like an actual definition for it, but like if I were to put. Like That's a good an example. Yeah. yeah. So the grooming process is something that a lot of sexual abuse survivors talk about and they actually talk about it without like labeling it as grooming and later I'm like that's grooming. That's right. what it is. So for context, I am going to throw in this little snippet that I read that everyone was losing their shit over on Instagram. I saw a lot of people sharing, I don't know if you saw it on Instagram, where Oprah said of course if it was a 7 or 9 year old, if someone touches their penis, they're going to enjoy it. I don't know if you watched that. Yeah, I watched it. And, and somebody actually sent that to me. I had a couple people send it to me. I don't know why people send me this stuff and then they, they want me to unpack it or they want me to like agree with them. Yeah. Obviously, I wasn't going to just watch that and then just be like, oh, fuck Oprah, fuck blah, 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 blah. So then I went onto YouTube and it's actually like a snippet of a like a Long. larger conversation. Yes. But people obviously took that snippet and then yeah. tried to like – Totally discredit her. Exactly. Especially because if you don't but understand... But she was, she was basically just describing, like, if you're in that act and you don't know any better... You're like, going to enjoy you it. Don't, if you're being abused, you don't know that you're being abused. Exactly. So that's, that's pretty much what that meant. Yes. From what I got out of the, the video. So that snippet, the reason I mentioned that is because that is what the grooming process achieves. Let's just say... I'm going to give an example. Let's just say you're four years old and you have a dad's your dad's friend. He comes over once a week for barbecues. And every time he comes over, he has a chocolate for you. And you're like, oh my God, yes. Like, I love chocolate. You know, your parents don't let you. So, like, there's a bond. You're starting a bond there where... Yeah, you, like, you start to build a rapport. Yeah, exactly. You start to like the person. Not like, like... Sexually, sexually, but like you start to like the person, yeah. you want to get to know them a little exactly, bit more yes. and that's the opening for them to sort of start grooming. Exactly. And yeah. let's just also assume that you are one of seven children, right. for example. So you don't get much attention from your family. We'll say you're like the second last child. So there's still a baby under you who gets the attention. The older ones are doing their own thing. You're kind of just there. You're an inconvenience to your older siblings. You're just existing. This uncle, he then says... Let's do something just me and you. Let's go for a drive. I'll go get you an ice cream. Yep. And you're like, sweet. Family has no issues with it because it's it's uncle. He's here all the time. You know, he's been coming to our house for the last two years since you were two. You know him. There's no issues. You go on the drive and it's all good. It's, it's okay. And then suddenly, once you've built this relationship, he started to tell you how special you are and how, like, you know, he sees that nobody else thinks that you're special. Like, little things that... That make you feel special. And for mm -hmm. people who don't often feel special, that small snippet of feeling special 
it does wonders to you. Yeah. And eventually, the way that it would go, if we're following the grooming process, is he na- he manoeuvres you into a space where you're alone and it happens. Whatever it looks like is different to different people, but some sort of sexual act is put upon you. Mm-hmm. And when this happens, from based on the experiences that I've heard people who have retold me, it wasn't fun, but you think guy gives this is my uncle i love him i should just do what he wants that's one way to look at it or it's another way of he threatens you yeah i will do this to your sister if you don't let me do it to you or i'm gonna tell your family if you know if it's an older person i want to tell your family that you came on to me and when this one person that you had put on a pedestal you trust and you love and you support so much turns around and does that it's kind of like now what what it kind of crushes, you know, the the floor under you drops because your the ideas you had of who this person was, they've completely changed. Not only have you been violated, but your trust has been broken. So I the grooming process, it, it's tough. Like, you know, you don't want to, I'm not saying you're going to look at every single person that comes to your house and assume that they're a rapist. But if someone's trying to spend an unnaturally long time with your children alone or take them out, be cautious. I also do believe in a gut feeling. If you have that gut feeling, every time my gut has told me something, I've trusted it and I've turned out right. Mm-hmm. Even just to do people's behaviour, if I feel like someone's going to be a shitty person, excuse me, then I trust that gut and I let later, I let, you know, whatever happens unfold from a distance and I, I can confirm that my gut was right. And the grooming process, that's what Oprah was talking about. She wasn't saying that, also, like, I'm not saying I love Oprah. I'm just defending that snippet that was taken out of context. The grooming process allowed us can allow people to be in situations where it's not that they physically are saying this is a good time. It's just that their brain has been rewired from an age where they were susceptible to new information and influence yeah. that they actually don't know what's right and wrong, especially if they don't understand what sex is. This is their first experience with it. And like that was similar to what my friend said. Her first experience with sex was under the age of five. So you can imagine that the rest of her sexual experiences, it was not a good time for her because she didn't understand what it was meant to be like. Yeah. Only when she finally got into a stable relationship and she saw, oh, well, this is what it's like. Not only about sex, about respect, about you know that trust and consent of this is my body, this is your body, this mm. is how it's meant to be. It took her like 20 years to get there where whereas you know i guess the thing that like always sticks out for me when it comes to rape sexual abuse is that sex is such a delicate thing it and it doesn't matter who you do it with it's just it's a thing it's a whole ass thing it's like having a really deep conversation with someone you don't do it with everyone and it's something that having that trust that trust and obviously you're naked firstly and there's just an exchange like it's a real it's a big deal it's a big deal and it also depends on what you take from it but but if people like you say that if people are that's their first experience in a sexual like uh, environment or yeah. not environment like in a room whatever we'll use that yeah. in like a room or something and that was their first experience and they don't go through the emotions and stuff that a normal person you know wouldn't have to go through they don't know those feelings they don't know what it's like to you know have control over their body fully without yeah. somebody telling them what to do Exactly. And also it then leads to so promiscuity. So that's just just you know, blow that out of the water because exactly. that's gone. Yeah. From as soon as they're abused, 
every time after that they're going to think their body doesn't belong to them. Exactly. It's going to belong to the person, the other person, or they're that's gonna doing whatever they're doing. Or they're going to then think, "This is how I get people to love me with my body." Yes, because that's the their tour is the, like that's the most valuable thing about them. Promiscuity is a very like it's something that happens commonly to people who have been sexually abused, especially at a young age, because that sex drive. It was kind of instilled in them at a young age and suddenly that's their normal. And it's not right and it's not good, but in order to actually understand the repercussions and just even this is just a foot in the door of sexual abuse, you have to understand that there's just so much going on. There's trust broken. There's the physical damage that could happen to you. There's a self-esteem, the worth. There's no emotion in it. Exactly. So it's imagine trying to find a stable relationship. You could find one, but... You might think that oh, I just need to have sex with him to get him to like me because yeah. that's what I've been shown from a young age. Or you might be the opposite of you're never having sex with me because my body, I, I just got it back. You know, there's layers to it. There's so many layers that we don't even have time to unpack. Yeah. But I guess to sum up, because. Just to, like, this was just the brief. It was an intro. The way yeah, I would put it is we like. We will go in depth and have guests. Yeah. And I would say this is more of a beginner's guide to yeah. introducing thoughts on sexual abuse. Yeah. So, because whatever feedback we get from this or whatever, you know, more people want to hear, um, we'll sort of go, go off the feedback that we get for future episodes. Yeah, exactly. Because this was just literally like just shooting the shit and getting some word out yeah. there to start the conversation because it needs to be had. You know, we're, we're not, we're okay with talking about other things, but why aren't we okay with talking about things that are happening in our own community, in our own backyard? It shouldn't be taboo. It really shouldn't because at the end of the day, if you make this conversation taboo, victims feel like they did something wrong again. They already most likely feel like they've done something wrong. And then us telling them not to talk about it or having conversations about it, it's like, oh no, I can't speak up again. Like here I am again, still the victim. Yeah, that brings me back to, so uh, another analogy for what you're speaking about, like in the area, snitches get stitches, okay? Not in this context, all right? That is, that's purely for if your friend goes and breaks the law, you know, the laws that the white man made for us. Yeah, that's that. But this is actually like, this is somebody's life, somebody's body, someone's emotions, somebody's sexual experience that's been taken away from them this is not something that you be quiet no this is not something where you're quiet that's probably what i should have said but yeah snitch snitch literally <laughs> i don't know i could not sit in the room yeah like if this was somebody personal, like somebody that i knew personally that i loved no way am i keeping my mouth shut for what for what to keep the peace i don't want to keep the peace of anyone no. that wants a rapist in my house no, exactly. In the same room as me? I don't want to be in the same Obviously, space. Obviously, I'm going to take into consideration their feelings and how they want to deal with it. But if they're okay with me, you know, going AWOL or like, you know, fucking about to get arrested for, you know, airing out this person's dirty laundry, 100% I'm going to fucking call the person out. Like, this is not the time to protect your friend. Just because you grew up with them doesn't mean that they can't be an abuser. Like, this is not the time to be quiet. Literally. And being quiet would just con- allow their behaviour to continue. Yes, exactly. People who haven't been and caught then taking yet, into consideration, going. like we're we're totally like um, villainizing the abuser, but abusers have probably been abused in a lot of cases. I don't know if you have a statistic for that, but I'll have one next time. Yeah, but for now, like abusers have probably been abused, and they're going to abuse other people. Yeah. So, not only does the victim need help, the abuser needs help as well. Yeah. 
So yeah, if you if you're capable of helping the victim and the abuser, great. But if you you know what you need to be able to help people and know how to help people in these situations. I've seen it's not being quiet. Yes, and also people who comment about rapists and go, "Oh, I'm going to turn around and fuck you up the ass if you like it." For what? What is that going to achieve? Yeah. You just literally said you're going to rape a rapist. These attitudes, see, it's the little attitudes that we have are the reason that these things keep happening. It sounds so simple to just change your attitude, but it will go a long way because my attitude will be passed on to my children who will pass it on to their children. And the attitudes that we have have been instilled in us from years and years before us. But it's 2020. The internet is mostly free. It's slow most of the time, but there's free Wi-Fi at Macca's. Libraries have free Wi-Fi. You just got to do some Googles if you care. And I don't know how you don't care. If you don't figure out why you care, figure out why you care. If it's for yourself, if it's for the community at large, if it's for people, if it's for sex trafficking, if that's what makes you care about people, if it's for your family, your immediate family, find out what it is, do your research and go from there. You need to just be comfortable with having this discussion though. It shouldn't be taboo. It shouldn't be like when you go and have a coffee with someone and you're like straight up bringing up sexual abuse. It's like, that's how... That is how normalised it should be. Yeah, It shouldn't be something where, oh, you know, like you're really comfortable with the person. No, you should be able to have a conversation with a random and straight up bring up this topic. Exactly. Conversations need to be had and they need to be had more frequently with more people. And you know, a lot of the older generation might not be ready for that and we can't change them, a lot of them, because of the age and point in their life where they're at. But us, you know, who are in our 20s, in our 30s, we can have those conversations with each other. And the important thing about conversations is they need to be witnessed by people. If people just hear open conversations, they will then feel secure and trusting in you to know that they can come to you in a time of need. Yeah. And honestly, I'm going to say, and that's all for today, but that was just the bare, the bare yeah, minimum, bare, minimum. bare introduction. That's all for now. For now. For now. So stay tuned. We'll be back here at... The Hills Studio at yes. Bella Vista. Doing some more talks. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. Was this I was it too much? You know, did we did we offend you? Or did you really appreciate having an open conversation between two people? Let us know in the comments, on the gram, DM us personally, DM us on the page. Up to you. Yes, we have an Instagram now. What is it? Let's talk underscore about it you know what my ocd does not appreciate the underscores and the dots but everything else was taken and i feel like if you're listening to us you know our instagram so (laughs) you see us yeah till next time bye we're gonna yeah Yeah. okay bye